Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast with me, Russell Guyver. Uh, two of my regular guest contributors, well, one very regular, Andy Bravery. Welcome back to you, sir. Hi there. Excellent. And we've got um, a less frequent but still uh, well-regarded uh, contributor, Mr. David Townsend, back to the podcast. Hello, David. Hi, Russell. Good evening, everyone. Yeah. How's Sonny Bexhill? Hope it's well. Uh, yeah, not quite as sunny as it was yesterday, but uh, yeah, not bad, not bad. It's been a crazy summer. Um, Andy is in Patcham in Brighton nowadays as well, and the weather's been brilliant here, but not probably as good as the weather is today in the home of our other guest, a very, very special guest who's joining us for the first time on the podcast. He is, um, I think it's fairly safe to say, an Albion legend, <laughs> uh, very much so. <laughs> Uh, a cult hero, I think you were voted for at one point, and Albion's best player of all time, I think you were also voted for at one stage. Uh, a very, very warm welcome to Mr. Peter Ward. Hello, Peter. How are you all doing? All good. All yeah. good. All the better for good. talking to you, Peter. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And you are in your um, your now regular haunts of Tampa Bay, I presume? Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> just relaxing. In the house, I was going to do, like I said, I was going to do the podcast outside, but it's not, although it's 94 degrees, it feels like 102. So it was a bit too hot. So we're inside. Fair enough. Yes, yeah, a sensible move, probably. Yeah. And we're recording this UK evening time and afternoon time, your side. So, yes, it probably is the heat of the day, isn't it, at the moment? Well, yeah. it's a very great pleasure to have you on, obviously. And um, you were an Albion legend, as we mentioned, for, uh, well, a, a good solid four years in the second half of the 70s, um, where you really made your name, a free scoring striker for us. Um, Alongside, of course, Ian Meller, who was the uh, your legendary partner, Spider Meller. We'll probably get into talking about him a little bit later on. Um, but um, where we wanted to start, really, was just to get back to the uh, the earlier days and how it all came about. Now, reading your your biography uh, from Matt Horner, um, you came up through the Southern League and you were in in Burton. But where, before that, you've been playing, as I understand it, um, Saturday and then Sunday f- football. Yeah. Um, having been told, football. yes, yeah, H- having been told at every stage 
too small to play, won't make it as a footballer, schools, teams, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you did get your chance, I think, according to the, the biography. I think it was at the age of 14, wasn't it, playing for a team there? Was it Borowash? Yeah, yeah. Borowash so, United. Yeah, tell us about that then. It was just uh, <clears throat> my cousin's husband played on the team and uh, he knew I could play a bit. So he said, come along. So I did. And yeah, from 14, uh, playing with the men. Uh, which builds you up, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say so, yeah. I mean, that that's the exact opposite of what you've been told pro- previously, isn't it? You were told, oh, too small to play at all for your, your your age groups you're in. And then suddenly you are playing at age 14 with an adult team. And being a striker, of course, I'd imagine you got a fair bit of rough treatment as well. I did, but I was pretty quick. So, you know, and you, get, you learn to... Um, like, what are you trying to do, kicking me? I mean, you're not going to catch me first, you know what I mean? So you learn to give a bit of crap back to him. Yeah. And you, you did pretty well with that. And also, with I think it's Redfern, isn't it, the team you joined? Yeah, to... Redfern, yeah. Before I went to Burton, I went to Redfern, and they were in a high, much high league. And um, I scored quite a few there. And then Burton came in, and... Uh, I was in their reserves to start with. And then they had a cup game at uh, Grantham. I think it was Grantham. Yeah. Um, and I got a trick. So that from then on, I, I was in the team. But I was up front with Ian Storymore, the ex-Forest Man United player, and Frank Wignall, who played at Derby and Forest. Hmm. So I had a couple of old guys um, with me, I suppose, helped. And this is a sort of team that's met a mixture of ex-pros, up-and-comers like yourself, and I, I'm guessing a few seasoned campaigners in the non-league circuit as well. Was yeah. It a mix like that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy called Frank Corrigan. Uh, he uh, he'd been playing in that league all the time. So yeah, there was a few of those. Hmm. Yeah, and scored a lot of goals and. I'm looking at how, so you ended up going to Burton Albion. Um, and as I understand it, I think made your debut in 1974, scoring a hat-trick. And mm-hmm. I think this wasn't the only time you did this on a debut, was it? Is that right? No. Under-21 <laughs> debut. Exactly, for hat-trick. the England team later on, the mm-hmm. under-21s, yeah. Yeah. Not bad going. A good way to announce yourself, isn't it, I, I guess? Um, yes. Trouble is, once I got a hat-trick, they put me in the full squad, but I never really got a chance to play. I played about five minutes in Australia. Um, but that's about it. Hmm. Yeah. And you were managed by, is it Ken Gutteridge that was later? Uh, Burton. Yeah, yeah, went Burton. to the Albion. Yeah, went to the Albion and eventually was part of the the, the, the method to get you over to, to the, Al- to the mm-hmm. other Albion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Yeah. he did. Well, Andy, sorry, I think you were going to say something there on, on that. Um, I mean, you're, you've obviously got a bit of a grassroots thing, Andy, haven't you, going on with your coaching and teams. I mean, what's your take on this kind of thing with, with Peter playing, a, especially that thing about being a 14-year-old playing in a, a sort of like men's non-league team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure that would happen these days. But, um, I don't think so either. No. 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 <laughs> huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
No, I, I mean, I, I was also struck a little bit by the route you took because I remember when we, uh, I think it was, he was, he did it for longer, but, but Nobby Horton, when we spoke to him, he had quite a long period of time in non-league football before he, he came, you know, yeah. via Port, Port Vale to, um, to the, also to Brighton. Yeah. And, um, and I think Peter Taylor signed him and he, and was it, um, Peter Taylor, was it Peter Taylor that signed you? I think it was, was it? Yeah. Yeah. We at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I certainly think that Peter Taylor clearly had a. It's quite. I'm fast. I'm always fascinated by like scouting and what people look for. But clearly, Peter Taylor, his entire career showed that he had a really good eye for a footballer. He brought you two, you two guys in, and really that's when we began. Although he didn't then manage it ongoing, that's kind of I felt like when we we transformed really as a club. Yeah, when, yeah. When Mullis took over, it was Peter's team more or less. And then Alan brought other players in gradually, and we we went up the leagues. Yeah, yeah. Like, I suppose really one of the questions I want to ask, so it sort of takes it away from kind of like your career. So I just wonder what it was it like the very first time you were playing in a match and people started singing your name. Um, I don't know. It's too far away. Too long. <laughs> ago. It was. It was great. I remember, uh, of course, I scored on my debut at Hereford, and the fans were going mad then. And then the home next home game, um, I got my shorts ripped, so I had to change my shorts at the side of the field, the, the pitch, and I uh, wiggled my bottom to the crowd. It was the West Stand that had the um, had the pleasure of this. I understand. Was that right? Yeah, <laughs> I think sure Sammy Nelson did that later, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it sounds as if you're um, yeah had the character for it. I think um, right from the off. Um, just a couple of bits from the uh, from the biography, just to add add in as well. I've got a couple of quotes here. Uh, one apparently for your mum, saying a, a real good little lad. And your dad said he was no trouble, always well behaved. Maybe not always then, with that wiggle on the pitch, but uh, fair enough. <laughs> but also I your own quotes. I in a few windows in the street of neighbours' houses, and uh, and my dad going absolutely nuts then because he had to pay for new glass and and what have you. But I remember hitting one volley once, beautiful volley, scored, but. There was a house not far behind. It went straight. This was a Sunday as well. And people were having their Sunday dinner. And it was screaming as the ball went through the window. We ran off, to say the least. <laughs> well, that's a, bit of, that's a bit of an additional side dish, isn't it? If the ball lands on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so trying to scarf up, but not but getting caught out, I'd imagine. Uh, everyone knows everyone, I'm guessing, in the neighbourhoods back then. And um, you don't get away with it for long, do you? Just for a few minutes, mm-hmm. I think. In fact, once my shoe come off and got stuck in the window. It was right in the window. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, that's quite incriminating, isn't it? As well, yeah, you're not yeah. going to get away with that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is the classic thing, isn't it? The playing football in the street. So if you've got a local park as well, obviously, but you know, playing in the street in the gardens, local local rec, whatever it might be. A typical kind of upbringing for a lad at that era, I'm assuming so. Sorry, 
My wife was talking to me. What? <laughs> she wants to join in, maybe? <laughs> Possibly not. But we, we, I'm, I think he's just stalling for time on this one. Yeah, yeah she, she was telling me that uh, when she was young, she kicked a soccer ball, as she said, through a window as well. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's meant to be. It's, it's written in the stars you two to be together. <laughs> True story. You be quiet down there. <laughs> she could join us if she wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've got your, your typical upbringing and the Albion move, as I understand it, um, we'd come in for you before we did sign you. And I think the offer was rejected at the time, probably because it was in the middle of the season, I'm guessing. Um, sometime, I think, was it around the November of the season before you eventually signed. Yeah, yeah. So how, how did that come about particularly? Who was watching you? Presumably Ken Gutteridge was involved at some point there. And what did Peter yeah, Taylor make of you? Unless Ken told Peter that, you know, we have this uh, young man. Oh, the sneeze. And, uh, but I'm not sure because I, I remember another couple of clubs were watching as well. Um, but nothing came of that, or I was not uh, informed about it. But you know, you find out. But uh, I mean, I remember like, just going back a little bit. Uh, all the neighbourhood kids from for a few miles met at this field, uh, the green, up the green. We called it the green, and from five years old to fifteen. Um, you pick two teams, and that was it. So I always played with older kids as well, uh, all the way through school. So, um, but that's the way it was, you know. It's not like that now because there's organised uh, team. There was no organised teams besides school when I was playing. Then, so it uh, that's all we had. Yeah. So straight from school, never got any homework done ever. Uh, straight up the green till it got dark, and then you went home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In the, in the biography, it's saying you uh, perfectly able academically in terms of yeah, bright enough, but just it was a matter of just rush the homework in the mornings, stay out yeah. all night, night before yeah. play the games. Yeah, yeah. Um, true love, and you know it, it's just the, it's the game, and it's wonderful to see. And I, I suppose you still get that to some degree with some players now, but. Uh, Maybe there's a more romanticised version of it in the previous era, but um, I think it's great. It's, it's superb to have that one singular passion that you know is going to drive you. And um, I think it was saying, you know, the, the biography was saying that you've um, uh, you, you were asked a careers advice what you wanted to do and said be a footballer. And yet again, they were saying uh, too small. You don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, a few years after that. I'll, I'll never forget his name, to be honest. His name was Mr. Kelly. He uh, wrote to Brighton to the club and asked if I'd present trophies at the school. <laughs> I thought, yeah. But I did. I, I, it was in Derby. So I, I went back and I did uh, present the trophies to And I said, do you remember what he said to me? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. Fair play, fair play. He's gracious enough with it, I suppose. I, I presume you gave him a bit of stick over it. Of course. Got to be done. Got to be done. <laughs> of course. 
so so on the Albion career then, as in the Brighton of Albion career, um, you've um you've signed eventually in the summer afterwards. So this is seventy five, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't actually get a chance to play the first team for quite no. a time, wasn't it? I didn't realise actually until well, I because we changed in the away dressing room. Uh, because we weren't in the first team squad as such. And we'd train, um, on our own, you know what I mean? We'd have, it'd be the reserves and that, and the first team trained. And then now and again, we'd all train together. But, um, it, because, yeah, there was eight games to go when, uh, I got in and it was quite a shock because it was, I'd had, I'd been the sub two previous games, but remember in them days, there was only one sub and they weren't really used unless somebody got hurt. And uh, I think once once was against Bury away and the other one was at home, I can't remember who, but then we went to Hereford and uh, we're having a team meeting there again and just I'm sitting there and Pete said, uh, uh, Fred, you're not playing today. Peter, you're playing. I thought, oh, crap. <laughs> no. And uh, it was a great surprise. And then um, and I had a cold as well. Glenn Wilson had to give me a tot of whiskey before we went out. It was, well, he did that in the winter anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, And then scoring after 50 seconds or so, um, it was... Uh, and in M days, there was only two or three games on the TV, wasn't there? So um, it was on Match of the Day, which yeah. we actually stopped in London on the way back or somewhere, and we watched Match of the Day. And um, everyone knew you then, because everyone watches Match of the Day, and everyone knew my name then. So it was quite, it was nice to be able to, Score on your debut, but to score on your debut on match of the day um, was was not better. It's brilliant. I mean, and also as you said, there's hardly any games on match of the day. Then it was pretty much literally the correct grammar to say match rather than matches, as of course should be really the case now. But um, it was a third division game, of course. It, this, we're talking about yeah. here as well, which is even more amazing, isn't it? Really? I know they, they had what two or three a year. Yeah, two or three a season, and. Uh, it was, yeah. yeah. So you're, going to, you're going to that game thinking, oh, you might not even be on the bench. Next thing you know, yeah. not only are you starting, but you find out, presumably afterwards, is it, that it was on match of the day? Or do you, do you, did you know in advance? Oh, no, I didn't know. I didn't know anyway. Um, we were trying to think. Because when I scored, Sammy Morgan said he touched it. So Sammy said it was his goal. And if it weren't a match of the day, to this day, it would have been his goal. Yes, so, the TV helped you, yeah. Just look, that everything turned out perfectly. Yeah, and this is Sammy Morgan, who's, who's one of the guys that was brought in, I think, just before you, was it, or around the same time, and was keeping you out of the team as well uh, prior to that. So you must have thought, well, now I've got in the team. Vinny and Sammy. Yeah. And Neil Martin as well for a while. Hmm. Remember, because when I signed, um, I stayed in a house in Rottingdean with Phil Beale and Neil Martin. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Not a nice place to be, actually. Uh, that's what that was an Albion house, presumably, therefore. Um, yes, I'd have thought so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it, it's quite nice, I suppose, when you're moving down to an area, maybe that's quite good for integration uh, within, you know, bonding with the team and that sort of thing. It's quite nice, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It, it, yeah it was scary. You know what I mean? It was scary. It was, them two players were sort of their own legends. Yeah. And just, uh, you know, nothing. Yeah. And I, I might bring David in on this one as well, because I mean, David, you're, if you don't mind me saying very politely, a little bit older than I am. So you'll probably remember this era a bit better than I will. I'll get into when I sort of start spoiling you in a minute, Peter. But um, I mean, David, you'll, you'll probably remember, just about remember the Fred Binney days, wouldn't you? And oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was a prolific striker. And I think, um, according yeah. to the records, he'd scored something like 25 goals that season at the point where he was dropped suddenly for you to come in on that, on that debut. And I think it was something to do. It seems like there was a big disparity between the home and the away form. And I'm guessing he was dropped. Was it because he was more effective in home games where he played it? Possibly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was good for that, but I think he came back into the team, um, the next home game. Hmm. And I played alongside him then. Yeah. Yeah. David, do you remember, do you remember yeah. that, that particular time, Fred Binney in general and, and, and the players of that time? And also, did you happen to see Peter's debut? Uh, I, no, I didn't. I didn't see the, didn't see the debut. Um, but, but I would have seen, um, you know, try, trying to remember now, to think back to, to then, I would have seen those early matches, I think. Um, I think one, one of my earliest memories of you, Peter, was, was playing against, Mansfield. I'm not sure whether that was your first season or your second season, and and the Albion won five one. And you you could see then that something um, something special was was beginning to happen because um, it was. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many you scored in that match, but it was quite a, obviously a comprehensive victory. And uh, uh, you know, I mean, just the the not would would that I don't know if you can remember that match yourself, but would that have been under Peter Taylor under uh, under Mullery? Uh, Muller's, maybe yeah. I was going to say perhaps a little bit later, um, but it was. Um, I do remember, uh, not so much the match, but I do remember getting three against yeah. Mansfield. Yeah, that must have been the same game. I think. Yeah, yeah. It was a, and you know that you could see you could see then that something special was was happening, you know, because the, the, the attacking football was just uh, just superb, you know, and all all out we attack. Good, um, yeah, we had a good team. It was good. Yeah, fantastic side, yeah. And, you know, everyone seemed to gel together well. Um, you know, the, the team spirit we, we, from the outside, we, it looked really good. Yeah, we were, we were a tight-knitted group. We all liked yeah. each other. And we really got on well with the fans. So yeah. uh, yeah. it was just one big happy family in Brighton. I mean, the, the, the constant thing that keeps popping up when you're interviewing fans of the uh, players of the era is that um, liking the area as a place to live and finding it a really nice place to play your football. Uh, I think Nobby was saying um, the, the, the fans were one of the standout things he'd noticed before he signs, that the fans were really good, getting behind the team, lots of vocal support decent crowds for the level we're at as well. Um, would you say that was a, 
I guess it's a bit different because you're you're stepping up, so it's kind of a it's a temptation anyway, isn't it, to get offered a a higher level? But do you reckon that might have played a part in some way? And and how was it in that first season? Did you really feel the 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 affection once of the fans so soon? In, yeah, once I got in the first team, um, the fans were great. Yes, brilliant, excellent. I mean, they uh, they still are. I mean, there's kids come up to me and go crazy. <laughs> and how do you know me? I, I ask them and they say, oh, my granddad or my dad or, you know, it's it's amazing. Mm. And we still really sing cool. the song. That probably helps because yeah. then kids will go, well, who's that? <laughs> yeah. Who's that? You're singing about. <laughs> yeah, you cover every, every position in the, the, the team, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're one to 12, aren't you? So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Andy, yeah. I just wanted to ask Peter, like, so when you were when you were scoring all those goals and you were getting the adulation of, of the fans, did you is that something you're aware of back then that actually you are creating, you know, lifetime experiences and memories for fans? Or is that more mm-hmm. something you become aware of as you got older, you know, and yeah. you flip back and you meet fans and you yeah, realise you realise how important you are? Yeah, at the time you don't realise um, you love the singing about you, mm-hmm. you know. You love um, when you, you when you meet them. Of course, we used to. Uh, I mean, after games, we'd go to the same pub, all the players, and there'd be fans, and we just into. You couldn't do that now. We can't do it now. Um, but yeah, it was later on, uh, getting older. You realise. How fantastic it was! Yeah, I mean, and also the the part because you know, like you know, I I started going to the Albion with my dad in in late seventy five, seventy six, and really, if I'm being honest, seventy six, seventy seven, I'm I'm nine, ten years old. I've got my little stool. I'm on the East Terrace with my dad mm-hmm. and his mates, you know, and and um, I, and I and I consciously remember a lot, a lot of my mates at the time were all Liverpool fans because that was the team, you know, and I, and I didn't want to be, I wanted to be a fan of a team I could go and watch. And I just struck lucky really that I also started watching it just at the point where really Brighton took off as a, as a club, yeah. you know, yeah. and, you know, and, and you are along with people like Nobby Orton and, and then a little bit later, um, Mark Lawrenson, you know, you're not interwoven really in my childhood, you know, you guys, you know, it's kind of, yeah, and when I think about Brighton, you're you are the people that come to my mind. I think there's something about your childhood when you follow a team as well, you know. And I, and I always wonder about whether players realise the impact they have. And I think probably it's like you say, it's something that when you get older and people start talking to you about it, and you remember, and then you realise just how kind of you know like how much joy you brought to people, you know, by just doing your job really, doing what you were good at. Yes. You know, it's quite it's quite something really. It's um, magical. Mm. I mean, I mean, it's the same. It was the same for me growing up as well, because you follow your idols, and that's why you want to become a footballer. Mm. So, I suppose it's the same for me growing up, but you don't realise until you know later uh, what it's like. Yeah. Who who were your idols, um, Peter, when when you were growing up? Law, Best, and Charlton. 
He's a man, okay. man. <laughs> <laughs> They're not bad heroes, though, are they? Let's face it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to to remember Ian's story more, and I think was it Steve Wignall who was at Forest Frank you mentioned Wignall. earlier. Yeah. Oh, Frank, Frank Wignall. Wignall. Okay, yeah, yeah. But Story Moore, yeah. I remember, was a good good winger, wasn't well, he? Jimmy for... Green was one of my idols too. So you know, yeah. he's yeah. what a player. But, I mean, you could see why the the best and law influences in particular make sense, don't they? There, as well as being for the team, it's um, those individuals were just nippy. I think wispy was the way you were described by somebody somewhere in the past. Uh, I don't know if that what that really means, but if the, if that is to describe you, it's probably to describe them as well, isn't it? Great players, but nimble, I suppose. Because yeah, yeah. um, my dad used to take me to Old Trafford to watch the the United. So, um, so obviously that's when you know I became a United fan. Um, I'm bright until I die. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I watch all the matches. Well, we get every match here live. Every every match of every you know. So I, I, I watch. I think nearly every game in the Premier League every week. Um, but uh, yeah, I always got Brighton on, and uh, it's 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 just been fantastic getting to the Premier League and and, and staying in it. Uh, touch wood, uh, we'll be in it for a long time. Yeah, played a good brand of football as well. I think yeah. the book as well. I remember me and Lauro were asked. You know, will Brighton ever get back into the Premier, you know, top division? And he said, no chance ever. And I said, you never know. Yeah. So I was right. <laughs> yeah. Lauro strikes me as a natural pessimist, I think, really. Yeah. <laughs> we, we actually influenced this, you know, this prediction thing you get over in the UK where he, he goes up against some celebrity or other every yeah. week. Yeah. You pick the in the storm. Yeah, we, we had a go at him because he kept picking us to lose every week. And we, we, we had a go at him about it. And he started changing his um, his predictions a little bit off the back of that. We're claiming that one. <laughs> we did. I remember he does pick us to lose, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think we worked out we were going to have 16 points for the season one year based on his predictions, <laughs> which, which would have almost broken Derby's record for the lowest number of points in the Premier League. But, no, I mean, it's, it is a brilliant brand of football. And... Um, we have come a long way, and I do, I do think we'll probably um, get into this a little bit more a little bit later on. But I do remember during the the stadium planning application stages, somewhere along the line, I think it must have been after one of the rejections, and it went to appeal or something. You were saying at the time, and it was sort of with a with a mindset to you in the states as well, and what happens and how things get done over there, that you just couldn't believe that this was such a big issue to get a new stadium built. You know, requirements there, the need is there the desires there and the, uh, you know, from enough people. And yet there were things hindering it. And you, as, as an onlooker, sort of look, looking back to a club you used to follow and wishing the best for them, you must have been immensely frustrated seeing the, the very bureaucratic way that the English well, system works. I came over and did the walk along the sequel. Yes. Uh, with, with Steve mm. Coppel. Mm. And... Uh, it was unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. The, 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 the hardship that Brighton went through to get a stadium, hmm. and it wouldn't happen here, no. Yeah, it's so frustrating, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I think it's, it goes down as the longest planning 
application for a sporting facility in European history, apparently. I think mm-hmm. I think that's right, which says it all, doesn't it? It's just typical us having having to suffer so much. Um, it's it's been there's been a long struggle, but my years supporting the Albion date from the seventy nine eighty season, so I only just caught the very end of your time with the Albion mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and obviously, it's, it's bookended at the moment, <laughs> being in the top flight again. Um, but we have had a lot of struggles in, in the intervening years. But in that 79-80 season, did you, did you play, just to check, did you play the full season that season before you transferred? Was it in the summer? No, I went to... Oh, God. I went to Forest. Um, I'd have to look. Yeah. Everton... At home was my last game, or something like that. Okay, yeah, because I'm I'm trying to work out. Unfortunately, the research tool I'm using doesn't tell me our lineup against Middlesbrough, but that that was in April, eighty. So you would have would you have gone by then? I'd have gone by then. Yeah. So I hadn't seen you live from that first spell. Um, I I think I would have seen you on TV once or twice. I think. Um, but as far as I know, Middlesbrough was my first game. So it was only only later on when you. So at the brief return, I think I might have might have seen you then. Yeah, I came back in uh, on loan in eighty two, eighty three. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember you, Peter, scoring a winner against Man United actually uh, in in your second spell. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. You also scored the winner, didn't you, up at Newcastle away in the cup? I did. Started the uh, started the, uh, the the journey to to Wembley. Yeah. Pete, I was just going to ask you as well. I mean, you know, back in your day, there was a lot more about striker partnerships than today. In fact, mm. we even get into like talking about whether false nines, whether you even got a forward. So, who in your mind that you played with was your was your favourite forward to play with in a partnership? I mean, Spider had to be. Yeah. Um, Teddy, although some fans weren't sure about him. I yeah. thought we did well, and uh, Ray Clark. Uh huh. Um, we had a little good partnership for a little while before he left. Uh, and I think Ian Mellor was. I think we just he sort of knew where I was going, and, and vice versa. And yeah. it just seemed to work out with the rest of the team as well. You know, so um, yeah. You just get that just understanding, don't you? There's, there's, they say this about particularly strikers, probably centre-backs as well, but, but particularly for strikers, this understanding, this sixth sense where you just know what the other person is going to do. So you can play the ball into the space you know they're about to run into. Uh, the defender can't read that, and it, it creates a huge amount of extra success on the pitch. Um, would yeah, you say that's fair? And it's not even doing it on the training pitch either. It's It's just... You just know each other, and you know I knew what he was going to do, and he knew what I, where I was going to go and when I needed the ball. So I mean, quite a lot of the time he didn't get it back. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and did you get on well off the pitch as well? Was it, a, or was it one of those weird things where it's only on the pitch it works? No, no, we got on great. Yeah, I was it. They, uh, I hadn't seen him for quite a while, and I was at a Brighton Man United game at Old Trafford. Uh, I'd gone over there with a few friends from here, and 
we got in the one of the lounges after the match, and uh, Spider was there. So it was we had a real good long chat, drink, and uh, I've seen him since at Brighton a few times. You know when the club do something, and but um, yeah, he's. Uh, I see. <clears throat> I was talking to Andy Rollins the other day. Uh, we still see when I come down. We there's a few of us get together. I mean, I know at the moment Peter O'Sullivan's struggling with. He was in hospital, and uh, my wife's been helping his other half uh, arrange stuff. But uh, so I'll send my love to Sully, yeah, and hope he recovers quickly. Yeah, well, Andy here has been quite uh, prominent on Twitter, along with Spencer, who I'm sure you know, Peter Spencer Vignes, who uh, you know, in, in trying to raise awareness of this because it's uh, it seems that. Uh, the aftercare is not great, you know, through, uh, through the medical side of things. Overstretched, no doubt. I'm sure they are. But I um, really hope he can come back to some kind of uh, recovery. Uh, it's horrible to, you know, to hear those things. Um, you know, they happen. These things happen. But uh, we wish him all the best, definitely. And uh, what, what was he like as a player? Just tell us a bit about him, actually, because obviously he was there the whole of the 70s. So the whole of the old. Very good player, Sully. Um Made a lot of goals for me, obviously. Uh, we got on well on the field as well. And uh, he was a funny guy as well. And we all got on. It was great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Spencer said he's quite, uh, he could be quite cantankerous, but with a slight wink in his eye. Is that yeah. what he is? Quite a dry yeah. sense of humour type, yeah. is he? I remember um, after the season, we used to go away, you know, Spain for a week. And uh, I remember Glenn Wilson was drunk one night and Sully peed all over him. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it well, it's on the podcast. You can have deleted it. Um, no, we're keeping that in. <laughs> on him. It's all water under the bridge, if you'll pardon the pun. <laughs> so we had great times. Um, at the end of the season, it's just the players you go away together. Uh, so you're all together for a week. And it's just, you don't even have to bond because we were a great, um, we're like a family. Do you, you know, we look after each other. Do you think, Peter, that that actually added to the team's performance? It was almost like, the way you talk about it, it was almost like a bunch of mates playing football, just happened to be doing it professionally. Do you think yeah, it added to the like the, the level of performance? Your mates, getting your mates, going down the park and just playing a five-a-side. Uh, but, yeah, it was just like that. Um, it was amazing. Amazing. Just happened Great to be really good. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a five-a-side team, wouldn't it? <laughs> it played a bit of, they played a bit of five-a-side at that point, didn't they? There was, I remember there was just something on sports night or something. There was some indoor five-a-side. It was, yeah. It's like a professional team. I remember you playing in that. I do a little bit. Um, I do remember, but I can't remember when or or where it was. I think it was in London. Was it in London? I think it was, yeah. It might have been at Wembley Arena. Yeah, I think it was. I can't remember how we did or too long ago. (laughs) 
I'll tell you, talk about memories. We, we had um, a Seagulls Over London event at the Amex and um, Andy Rollins helped to host it. And he was with us in the, um, in the uh, museum there and he's watching a bit of video of you and he could see he was like back in the day. He's, you know, he's back there and he, and he, he just said, you know, like he watched these forwards, he said, and the one thing that all these top forwards have got in common is they've got tremendous balance. And I, and I just think, well, that's not something you can train someone or coach someone to have. And, I, I, you know, um, and, I, and, I, and when I watch Brighton now, I, I think the same about Trossard. He, he, he just has tremendous balance on the ball. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's just sort of something that, you know, there, obviously there are things you can coach. There are just some things I think players just bring with them, don't they? It's just those sort of natural abilities. Yeah. I mean, you can say you're born with it. Um but I think growing up, you've got the ball with other kids and it, it's just, I don't know. You can't I mean, you, coach it, really. No. Were you were you one of those players growing up where, like, you always had a ball at your feet? Yeah. Yeah. Because we've, kind of, <laughs> because we've kind of lost, you know, in, in sort of like the life we... I mean, I just look at where I grew up in Patchen. When I go back there now, you couldn't play football there now. There's too many cars about. But... That's kind of where you, you sort of informally learnt it. I mean, we can do a lot more coaching now. So one of the differences from when I was a kid is that every kid now has a football when they're coaching. You coach them, everyone has a football, whereas like we had one between 15 and it was a full-size yeah. ball. So you can coach those bits, but there's other bits that they've lost. And I, and I was sort of talking to my son and I was sort of saying to him, well, I think, you, you know, you could get better if you just got a football, a little football, and you kick it all the way to school and back every day so we did that for about six to well I think he did for about 18 months and um, and I explained to him that I, I'd, I'd learned about that from from um, Trevor Brookin who used to kick a tennis ball to and from school I had to show him some video to show him who Trevor Brookin was obviously <laughs> um, but it's interesting how many top players are always described as as kids that they always had a football at their feet and they're just kind of they're practicing and they're training and they're coaching you know adds to it but really a lot of it is just that early days of just kicking a football about just doing what we thought was just what you did in life wasn't yeah, much else to do a lot different back then they yeah. have too much, they have too much um, video games um, you know there's a lot to do isn't there now yeah I have to say the one, the one thing I definitely think that um, so I was te- um, I was coaching up in London. I was coaching an under 11s team. Well, it went from under sevens to under 11s. And one good thing about um, them playing FIFA is they all knew the offside rule. <laughs> <laughs> and I figured that's the only way they could know about it is because playing FIFA. So that helped. That was about the only thing it benefit I could find from it. But that did definitely help. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least there's some good comes out of it somewhere then. <laughs> well, you know, you've got, to, you've got to always look for the positives, yeah. haven't you? Always got to look for the positives. Some of the, some of the most talented players out there, you, you hear these anecdotes, so they're the ones that last on the training field as well, even even as pros who have made it for years years since, are the last ones out there, you know, whether it be a lot of the strikers like Shearer, you hear stories of them and various of his contemporaries, uh, David Beckham. I think Ronaldo's like that as well. They're just relentless with their passion for just wanting to be with the ball all the time. Do you think you, I'm pretty sure the answer is yes to this, but would you say that was the case with you, Peter? Because it sounds like you were out at all hours when you were growing up. And did that carry on as your career? No, no. I mean, after training, we'd do, I'd do some shooting. Um, one of the goals would stay behind. And 
you know, we'd I'd do some shooting and uh, a little dribbling shot. Hmm. But um, usually they'd say, come on, get off the pitch. You know. <laughs> It's the classic thing, playing as dusk and eventually nightfall <laughs> comes down and your mum's coming out trying to find out where you are. Yeah. yeah. Classics. Yeah. Dinner's ready. Been ready <laughs> with, with the grassroots stuff as well, there's one other interesting thing, because, I mean, if I was asked to say one of my favourite or the best 10 goals I think I've ever seen live in the flesh, I'd probably have two or three of those would be Sunday football or kickabouts in the park. Um, they could come any time, couldn't they? Anyone could score a worldie. Obviously yeah. not on a regular basis, but once in a while. Um, so asking you about your favourite goals that you've scored, did any of them come before you made it as a professional? You know, Did you score an amazing goal for Redfern, for example, that's just the best ever? Because yeah. we won't have seen that one, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I, I scored a few. Uh, dribbling from the halfway line, around the goalie. Um, Remember one against Swindon at the Goldstone? I got the ball just in our half, right near where the dugouts were, the benches. And I dragged it back and I went back through three or four, ran a goalie and scored. I remember that one. Obviously, United one was a chest and volley. Mm. Um, yeah. and, the, and the three England goals on, when I scored three... Uh, I think the first was right foot, the second was left foot, and the third was a header. What are your uh, um? What are your memories of that night, Peter? Because obviously it was a, it was actually at the Goldstone, wasn't it? And it was yeah. a, there was a good crowd in there. I mean, particularly for an England under twenty-one game. I think it was against Norway. Yeah, apparently was... the floodlights went out, and there was trouble with um, traffic or something. Because otherwise, I think there would have been a bit of, bigger crowd. But it was a good crowd. Yeah. yeah about 20,000, I think, were out there. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What, what are your memories of that night before, you know, um, before the game and that? Just going out, uh, nervous. Um, just, just hoping, you know, you get a goal and we win. And uh, I did and we did. And it was just, a great night. I mean, some of the players, uh, Laurie Cunningham was playing, who's mm. dead now. Uh, Peter Barnes, Gary Owen. Paul Bradshaw was in goal. Was he at Blackburn at the time? He uh, he came and played with me in Vancouver years after that. Um Yeah, it's and then afterwards, just everyone signing the ball in the changing room. Uh, you get the ball, everyone signed it. I've still got it. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, um, it was a great night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it couldn't have gone any better, really, could it? No, from your really. perspective, no, no. And as I said, you had that hat trick with Oldstone as well. Um, that would just add an extra to it, you know. Mm. You, you yeah. had that hat trick. You had a previous hat trick of playing for another team. You got that goal of match of the day, which apparently was the far, the fastest goal scored 
um, in lifetime at least on on match of the day highlights, wasn't it, or something like that? I think I don't know how long that lasted. Probably I'd, I'd imagine that's gone now, but um, at the time it was uh, a debut. Was it for a debut or? Or for a, yeah, it might be a fastest debut uh, shown on match of the day. It might have been that, yeah, something along those lines. So you, you certainly march a card nicely, and along the way. Um, what we probably like to talk about when we get into, we'll do a second part in a moment where I'm curious to know how it went with Forrest, because I know that was an interesting time. And we've got to ask you, I'm, I'm sure you're going to come out with your uh, Brian Clough impression in a moment. <laughs> um, so we'd love to get that on there. And um, also we want to talk about your time um, visiting back and with the fans in the modern time and what you think of the, the current Albion team as well. Um, so we'll get on to that in part two. Um, but so we'll take a brief break at this point. And so we're back with part two, still with Andy David and our very special guest, Mr. Peter Ward. Wardy. And um, Wardy, we've been talking about your career so far in terms of the, the non-league days, getting yourself at the Albion. And we talked a little bit about favourite goals. I mean, in terms of favourite memories at the Albion, just to, to round up the, on that side of things, um, what, what would you say were your, your favourite memories that you take from, the, from your time in Brighton? Can, can be other stuff other than goals on the pitch or things away from the game? We in promotion, <clears throat> you know, especially yes. when we were promotion to the first division. Um, the bus, we had a, you know, on the bus and then at the Hove Town Hall and uh, just being, uh, I remember, we had our own private room. I think it was a Hove Town Hall. We had our own private room, our own bar. And uh, you could walk in and out, of, you know, but that's where all the fans were. And uh, they had their bar, but they had to pay and ours was free. So we'd take it in turns going up to the bar, getting around and bringing it back to the table. And uh, I remember we said to Sammy Morgan, he's Irish, isn't he? I said, come on, Sammy, it's your room. So, you know, he he was gone a while and he come back. He said, that's expensive. I said, what? He says, yeah, and it took me out forever, you know, to get to the bar. I says, it's there, look. He went, oh, I thought it was out there, like, you know. <laughs> Brilliant. So you got long distance to pay rather than short distance for free. Lovely. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> What about the actual promotion game itself, the, the infamous Newcastle game in terms, I say infamous in terms of the uh, the journey back, apparently uh, it was absolute chaos, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, um, what's the word? Rem- rememberable. <laughs> yes. Um, it was, um, we were there for the week, or at least four or five days, played golf, Um and we had to win. And, uh, and Newcastle were a good team, especially at home. And we just... Um, we just... Crash bang wallet, we got three goals. Um, mine was a decent goal, although the goalie should have saved it. Uh, Nobby's header. Uh, me and what's it doing a one-two with Jerry finishing it. And uh, 
mine and we're coming at half time and Muller's went nuts. He's going crazy. We're 3-0 up and he's going absolutely crazy because, you know, he wants to stay free up or at least win. And I think Nobby had to say to him, calm down. You know what I mean? We're all right. And uh, he was just panicking. And then they made it 3-1. But, um, you know, that was it. Yeah. And uh, we went to the crowd after the game. And uh, yeah, that was great memories. And then the train ride back, the fans, we just mixed with the fans. And it was chaotic. It was absolutely brilliant. What, stay, what goes on that train stays on that train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everyone's got a story about that. I mean, I mean, I um, we didn't used to get the train; we used to drive. But I was, I was at that game. It's still my favourite ever Brighton game that day. And I remember like feeling really nervous before before the game, and then like half time, just feeling completely calm. And we just went so well that first half. Mm. And they did come back into it second half, didn't they? But they and never the looked like... Yeah. And the weather was weird. It was sunny. It even yeah. snowed a little bit um, in the second half. It yeah. was really... Oh, right. Yeah. And I remember also the um, the Newcastle fans afterwards applauding you all on the it pitch. Is. I wasn't... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of assuming that's because they, they valued your uh, your season. But I think they couldn't go and miss that. It also meant that Sunderland never mm. went up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was a great. That was a great day. See, that's another one of those kind of like memories that I still hold today, Pia. Yeah, I'm 55 now, and I still hold that memory. You know, of that that team on that day and everything. You know, I can still remember walking around the town with my dad's mates before the game, thinking about all the different permutations that might have to happen for us to get promoted. And then the game starting, and then it's half time, and we're three nil up, and you know, you're just thinking like this couldn't go any better, really. And and then we're promoted and we're going to the first division and we're all on the driving on the way home, thinking about, you know, we're going to Old Trafford, we're going to Anfield, we're going to Highbury, White Hart Lane. You know, it was just um, quite yeah, something, yeah. really. Quite something, really. Yeah, I, mean, I was just pushing towards my eighth birthday, so I was too young to, to go to that game. Like the fact that it was the season before I started going live. Um, but uh, so for me, it was the it was the more recent time when we got the win against Wigan, which effectively guaranteed things, and that was a, equally as crazy a day. But but David, were you at the the Newcastle thing in '79? No, I wasn't actually. I, I was um, I was just trying to think. '79. No, I would have been um, I would have been at university then. Actually, my first year at university, um, and I don't think I had the. Uh, ironically, I didn't get to see so many games in in, in those days as. Uh, as I did later on, um, or, or before that, even um, you know, when I was when I was at school in in Sussex. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't see that one, unfortunately. Um, I can't I can't even remember how I found out. Now, obviously, I did find out, but possibly not even till the next day. You know, in, in those days, no internet or anything. But uh, yeah, I don't think we had a television in our uh, in our student digs then. <laughs> oh, talking about internet, I think. Um... Most of us players in that late seventies, if we'd have had internet, we'd probably be all in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Better not say any more about that then, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> 
and also some of the tackling back then as well. We'd probably get in jail for some of that. I mean, you you would have played with presumably you would have played with Paul Clark, wouldn't you, as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it was sort of before my time a bit, but um, by all accounts, he was a proper hard bastard, I believe the expression is. Uh, would, you, would you go along with that? And was he the hardest player, I remember playing against Luton at the Goldstone, and I think it was Lil for Shillow. Oh, yeah. It a shot. And... Uh, and I bet it was at least two seconds before you heard crack. <laughs> and Clark had, had hit him. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I think the, the it was at the north end, I think. And yes. you heard the ball bounce on the boards, and then you heard the crack. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I was, was, there I was at that game. I remember mm-hmm. that game, and yeah, mm-hmm. I think the whole the whole ground heard that uh, that yeah. crack. It was a pretty, yeah. pretty horrible moment, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the hell of a shot, didn't he, Paul Clark? I can, uh, can remember Clark, a yeah. from him. He was a good lad as well. He had like, I, see he had... I see him as well now and again. He's like legs like tree trunks, isn't he? The tank, as you call him. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, I know my, my mate Wedge is a big fan of his. Yeah, he's his favourite player. So, yeah, I'm sure you like, uh, if he's listening back to this, you'd like to hear a mention of him. So I had to throw that one in. Um I mean, in, in terms of the other players there, any, any other notable sort of comments from the teammates at the time? I mean, what was Nobby like, for example, as a captain and um, anybody else that stood out in any way? Um, everybody had their own. Uh, Nobby was good captain, you know. Mm. Um, helped everyone out on the field. Laura was, was uh, you know, classic coming out the back. Dreadful um, trainer, are you? I think we all were. Um, trying to think of of, uh, you know we'd we'd be out there and uh, Nobby had moaned now and again at at me and other people I remember uh, Nobby I was all going on a dribble and Nobby's moaning Pass the ball, pass the ball. And I scored. And he's going, great goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's complaining about Lauro running past him all the time. He's standing there waiting for a, something to develop from midfield and suddenly... <laughs> Lauro's going on, yeah. yeah it was yeah. Lauro on the field, yeah. Cover me or something, he's shouting. <laughs> and he missed those last three or four games of that season because he mm. broke his arm. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you know, we we sort of as players as well panicked a little bit because you know he he was at the back and he was uh, a rock at the back as well with Andy Rollins and and uh, uh, Rolly. I talked to Andy Rollins quite often on the phone. Yeah, yeah. yeah I said we met him at Seagulls over London. Lovely fella, actually, very really nice guy. And, uh, yeah. and his wife runs the um, cake shop or something, doesn't it? And the <laughs> the pot, yeah. yeah. He's there as well. Andy goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the cafe on Preston Park. Yeah. Mm. Russell, there's your segue into Forest because um, remember um, Andy Rollins against uh, Justin Fashionu. I think in the end it was a score draw. They were both yeah. got sent off, didn't they? 
Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't? With Norwich, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I think where he was from, wasn't it? Andy Rollins. I think he played at Norwich, didn't he? I think he, I think he did. He did, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, well, let's talk about Forrest. So you moved from the Albion there. I, I think they'd shown interest in the past, maybe actually in your Burton days, but obviously they didn't sign him at the time. They eventually signed him from the Albion, from Brighton. And um, tell us about that. How did it come about? What was your experiences of being at that club? Uh, first of all, driving up the M1, it was a Friday. It was a nightmare. It took forever. And... Uh, we get to the hotel, um, the ex-wife and I, and we walk into the hotel and the first thing out of Cluffy's mouth was, to my ex-wife, do you like his moustache? <laughs> and she said, yeah. He said, well, he can keep it then. <laughs> to, to me, uh, I went up there to sign. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you hear so many stories about Brian Clough. I mean, you've told some, I think, as I said, we, I've, I've seen you in a pub a couple of times and you've told a few of them there. I, I can't remember which ones are which now. There's so many stories. But, uh, I mean, obviously he was a, a great manager. He, he had great success with, with Derby, later on with Forrest. Yeah, I think one of was, he, he, he was, he was good, mad manager. He, uh, he, uh, he got good players. And that played together well. Yeah. Because uh, he never, he never used to, he'd come around the training ground. I mean, it, we used to run down, the, come out of the ground, run down the trend to where we trained. And uh, he'd be there in his shorts and that, and a squash racket. And he'd just be going like this. <laughs> Swishing <Wow>. around. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm surprised, Peter. He was actually there because that was the thing, wasn't it? Like Muller used to say, like no one knew how he did it because he was never around. He wasn't. No, I mean he'd come down again, um, but he, he just but, he'd, he'd say a few things in the changing room before, you know. Talking about fashion, who I remember, uh, he was having a nightmare at Forest and. Uh, Cluffy came in the changing room with a picture of himself with a, scoring a goal header. And uh, so anyway, eventually, he suspended Fashionu from training because he weren't scoring any goals. And uh, with pay, but he turned up the next day. So Cluffy weren't there. So Ron, I think Ronnie Fenton, was the like the coach? He uh, Fash said, "I'm training." Because Ron kept saying, "You can't train. You're suspended." He said, "I'm training," and it was too big for him to argue with. <laughs> so we, we go down the trend and, and we we you know we start training, and all of a sudden a cop car pulls up at the side of where we're training, and Fash sees this, so he goes to the other side of the field. And uh, these two cops come on and arm oh, and take him away. Ridiculous. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> didn't, um, didn't you say there was a story about you, something to do with a coach and not being allowed on a coach, something in the rain? or? Oh, no. Well, there was a couple of times. Uh, we lost at Birmingham 2-0. It 
And he hated, Cluffy hated Frank Worthington. And uh, it, it all started when Shilton was goalkeeper with Forrest. Well, he was then as well. And whenever, this is before I went to Forrest, Frank Worthington at Birmingham would score. And the Birmingham fans, they found out where they get it, no idea, but they used to sing, Frankie shagged your missus, right, behind the goal. And uh, and that really pissed Cluffy off. So we go to Birmingham, we lose 2-0. He scores both goals, Frank Worthington. And I didn't have such a good game. So we come on, on back on the bus. We're going up the M1. And I live Derby Way. And the bus was going Nottingham Way. And uh, so I was getting a ride from uh, Leicester Forest East service station. So as, and it's pissing down in the rain. I've just got the club blazer, trousers. And uh, I go to the front of the bus. I say, okay, I'm, I'm getting off here. And Clubby said, Albert, drive on. And we must have got a half a mile past. Then he said, pull over. And I can't really say what he said, but he said, uh, with a little bit of luck, the little might get run over. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, um, we play at Sunderland later on and, uh, I score. And we're in the changing room after the game. We beat them. And uh, Kenny Burns heard Cluffy asking Taylor, who's, who's, uh, who can drive me home tonight? You know. And he said, Peter Taylor said, Wardy can. And Cluffy said to him, no, I think he'd drop me in the Trent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I actually did give him a ride. And as I pulled outside his house, and I lived, to be honest, from the, the forest ground, it took me about 25 minutes to get home, and Cluffy was way the other side. So I had to go way past where I live, and then come back to where I live. But I pulled outside his house, and he had a pretty long driveway. And I pulled up, he, he, he said, what are you doing? I said, yeah, we're here. He said, up the driveway. Trying to drive up the driveway. <laughs> Lazy. <laughs> yeah. He didn't invite you in for a tea or a coffee, did he? I'm no, guessing. No, no, no. He didn't offer me anything. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and obviously, you know, Peter Taylor was known to be doing a lot of the coaching side of things, wasn't he? And, and, and Brian doing the uh, just just the match day instructions and all that sort of thing. The man motivational thing. I mean, how did he find that? Was he? Was he quite inspirational? Yeah, we had a spell where Cluffy would go to Spain somewhere every other weekend. So Pete was in charge. And it was quite strange for this period of town because when Cluffy picked the team, um, I was sub. And then when Pete was picking the team, I was in and somebody else was sub. It was... um, I mean, everyone knew as well. It was it was strange to yeah. say that, but uh, clearly different opinions on the philosophy there. Ultimately, yeah. Remember, we we went to Valencia. 
uh, in the Super Cup. Hmm. And uh, we go to Valencia and Cluffy takes his gardener instead of the trainer. So we were actually playing in the Super Cup first leg at their at Valencia and we were all wrapping our own ankles and, 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 and what have you before the match. Of course, Cluffy bought his gardener because we went, we were there a couple of days and we'd go to train at the ground and on the way, we stop at some, um, like an orange grove. And he's got us all in there picking oranges. <laughs> we got, we're in our tracksuits and we're in these groves and we're picking oranges. <laughs> Absolute man. Yeah. Yeah. And there's many more anecdotes beside me. We'll probably go on forever with these, couldn't we? But uh, we probably should. Especially if I was drinking. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. Yeah, I mean, did you have a good, did you have a reasonably good relationship with him behind the? I know he, he could do these cantangrous things. Yeah, and he, man, again, it's, it, it come up. You say you were brilliant today, or that's you know, great game. Um, but but it was just we went to Spurs, and Dave Needham missed the bus. So Dave drove down. It was a night match. So we were going straight to the to the ground. And uh, he beat us to the ground. And we got to the ground. And, and we're in the changing room. We're all changing. He's changing. And Cluffy come in. He said, David, what are you doing? He said, uh, changing. He said, no, you're not. You're going home. Fuck off. Sorry. That's all right. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he made him go. Then and then. He didn't let him stay for the base. Go. And so a few weeks later, Pete's in charge. Cluffy's not there. And we go to Wolves. And me and, and Bring Gunn, he was picking me up, right? And we missed the bus. And we drive to Wolves. But it was fine. We got there. Oh, good, you're here, good. There was no, you're not playing or anything. So maybe, of course, it was two of us, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um. Then you had when you when you came back to the Albion, so that was what was the period there? I think it was to, sort of mid early to mid eighties, wasn't it? Was it the eighty two eighty three season? Yeah, yeah, eighty two eighty three season. Because there was a story I remember you told before somewhere about uh, the loan arrangement and and Cloughy not letting you play in the cup final, and you'd not played at Wembley, is that right? Or or you may have played for the twenty ones? Yeah, I guess. He, he, yeah. I said uh, my loan spell was up. And like the semi-finals coming up, so I said to him, I said, "Hey, can I can I keep the you know because Brian wanted me to stay and uh, to the end of the season." And uh, I said to Cluffy, I said, "Yeah, can I stay?" So we're not playing there, am I? So I might as well stay and play here. Yeah. And uh, I probably made the mistake of saying we're in a good cup run and. And he said, son, I've never been to a cup final, neither are you. And that was that. So I went back to Forest and then I went back over to Seattle. Yeah. So mm-hmm. do, you, do you resent him for that? I mean, obviously, it's a massive occasion, especially back in those days. That the can't do anything about it, can you now? I mean, even then, you couldn't do anything about it. I mean, nowadays, if it 
you know, like players are, it's, they're in more control, the players, aren't they now? Mm. And uh, I mean, look at Ronaldo. He's, he's not gone on tour with United. He wants to leave. He wants to go somewhere where he can get more goals in the Champions League. Uh, being in his position, you can't blame him. I mean, he's, he wants to finish top scorer ever, I'm sure, in the Champions League. And, uh, but in them days, you couldn't do anything. Mm. You know, you, you, you know, there was no transfer you could do, arrange or anything. So, uh, really we were, we were stuck really in them days as mm. players. And then you went over to the States and you've been there ever since, uh, Seattle Sounders. I think. Well, most- yeah. well, actually, when I came back on loan to Brighton, I'd been over the, that summer. Oh, you right, yeah. And I came back to Forest, hmm. and we, my first game was, I got, I landed on the Thursday, went training Friday morning at Forest, and Cluffy said, you're in the squad. Uh, go and get your clothes and that, because we're going down to London. So, <laughs> oh my God, I was knackered, right? So, Went down to London and then the next day we were playing uh, Spurs and uh, I was sub, but somebody got hurt. So I, I was on a pitch after about 15 minutes and uh, I actually had a decent game, I thought. I had a good game. And I had to play sort of a number 10 because we had um, two, we had two forwards on at the time. So I had to like play behind them, like a midfielder, which was strange. But I remember uh, during that game, I had a through ball. I've gone on to get a through ball, and it's bounced in, and Ray Clements was in goal, and he come out and he's caught it, and I got I was a bit late, and I just I just couldn't stop, and I absolutely hammered him in the chest, and he started chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So anyway, after that game, um, he said, uh, Brian, want to know. So I went, that's when I came down on loan to Brighton. Mm. Yeah. And then you, you eventually moved to the States. Most valuable player, was it, at Seattle Sounders? Number of years. Yeah. NASL, as it was then. Vancouver Whitecaps. Yeah. And then I went, and I went indoor. Yeah. In fact, when I was leaving Vancouver, it was 84, the uh, QPR, Venables, uh, a couple of teams come in, but the indoor offered more money. Yeah. Uh, so I was over here. So I went and played indoor for like six seasons. Oh. And then I, and then Lauro was at Tampa playing for the Rowdies. Uh, Rodney was the manager, Rodney Marsh. And um, Lauro called. He said, fancy coming down for the summer. I thought, yeah. I said, I can. Uh, I remember when we used to play, when I was with Seattle and Vancouver, playing in Florida. He said, oh, my God, it's too hot, right, you know. But when you get here, I'm sure your blood must thin out or something. But I loved it here. So I've never moved. I never will. 
There we go. Yeah. I hate cold weather. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have to worry about that in England at the moment, but normally we do, to be fair. Yeah. And, and you met your other half over there, I assume, who, who is American. Yeah. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Yes. The lovely Jackie. Yeah. But I've got a feeling he's listening because you're looking to the side of the screen now, <laughs> slightly <Yeah>. nervously. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Um, and it's a great place to be, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic. And you're doing. You've been doing I mean, um, yeah, more recent everything's here. Beaches, yeah. Disney, yeah. Universal. Yeah. We've, got, we've got everything. Everything. And uh, it's just nice all the time. I mean, in the winter, possibly... January time, you might get a couple of days in a row where it'll go in the 30s, but it'll go back up to the 60s, 70s. I mean, Christmas Day was like 80 this past year. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice to be able to wear jeans or anything but shorts because that's all I ever wear. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Uh, the only time I wear something uh, that's heavy and thick and what have you is if it is cold in the evening and I'm coaching. Um, but yeah, that's it. Because if you go out and it's cold, you're in the car and you just get out for a few. So you have a jacket on, but that's it. Yes. The only time I get to wear warm clothes is when I'm in England. Yeah. And you come over from time to time. You've obviously you've had a yeah, lot of association with Renf, haven't you? Three times a year. It's a pandemic. Mm. Uh, I, was, I was there in November of 2019, and I was supposed to come over for games in March at the Amex. Uh, but that, you know, yeah. that crap happened. So... Uh, yeah, it's a shame because you've had this association with Rent for a few years now, haven't you? Since, uh, which for anyone that doesn't know, I'm pretty sure they do the Robert Eaton Memorial Fund. Yeah. Uh, Robert Eaton's an Albion fan that was in the States, died in the Trade Centre 2001. And they've started a, from 2002 onwards a Rent game between Paris and Albion fans. And you've been involved from, I don't know when you, when, when did you get involved with that? Was that about halfway through the decade? Yeah, I think I played in the third one. The third one, Just yeah. Gonna... Yeah, it's about 2000. Four, that'll be, wouldn't it? Something yeah. Like that. yeah, something like that. Yeah, I remember. That was, actually, that was the last time I saw you in the flesh, Peter. I think you scored a penalty um, at uh, at the dripping pan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that the four-one it... back to four-all game? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, did we win that? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. If, if, did we win it on pens? I can't remember. We now. did. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah. we won on pens. Yeah, good. <laughs> Stick it to that Palace lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you've been, I think you did say you, your doctors advise not to play football and watch out for the, is it the knees or the hip or whatever it is? And I mean, if you... uh, got a, uh, I had, I had a, a total titanium knee uh, and the right knee. Yeah. And that was in 06, December 06. And in July 07, I was playing in the, uh, um, Um, what the Renf game do you mean or or 
Uh, the left left back. Can't think of his bloody name. That's terrible. Uh, for who? For Brighton. Yeah, Brighton. Yeah. Um, Gary Williams. No, no, Brent, no. Brent Pierce. <laughs> it's testimonial. Oh, uh, not Kerry Mayo, was it? Yeah, oh, Kerry. Yeah. yeah. Kerry Mayo, so, yeah. Um, it, uh, the old people playing in a game before his testimonial. Yeah. So I played in that. So that was about seven months after I had my new knee, and it's still great. It's my left knee, and it's really up the kibosh. <laughs> right. Another operation, maybe. You could be the $6 million. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I know. I played at the Amex too for Rem when they had that the only time that they played at the Amex. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So you played you played at the at the new ground. Superb. Superb. And that brings us neatly on to the subject of the current era. You know, we've finally got that stadium. We were talking off air about the planning application, how long it took, and it's a long, long story. We won't go into it all again. Everyone, all Albion fans already know, of course. But we finally got there in twenty eleven. Uh, we've now celebrated more than a decade at the stadium. And for part of that, we've escalated our way into the Premier League. And we look like we belong there now, don't we? I mean, what's your, what's your take on them now? What do, you, what do you make of the current crop? Well, obviously, uh, Potter's done a good job. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, Chris did a good job. Yeah, Chris Newton, you know, got us out into the Premier League. Um, may have been a bit defensive-minded, perhaps, mm. but he did a fantastic job, also. And um, yeah, it's uh, and we got some. I heard City are trying to get Cucurella now. Yeah, they made a bid today. Well, today as we speak and record this, thirty million, which I think is is ultimately utterly derisory. I think he's, he's played well this year. Mm. Yeah. He yeah. might go in the end. Who knows? But they'll have to meet the, the value. Well, you knew the team was going to go eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But some fantastic players in there, isn't there? And, and some of the new ones coming through. Caicedo, for example. You've got Sanchez still in his early days. Um, there's uh, just talent all over the pitch, isn't there? And you've got this new crop of people we signed last summer that are now coming into the equation this summer. Uh, Mitoma, Undav, um, Sarmiento's good come scouting. back. Sorry? Good, good scouting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's a global affair now, and the scouting is good. Um, Europe-wide, global-wise, it's, it's it's pretty good as well. Yes. Yeah. Do you see it going any other direction? this year, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We Obviously, we've got our highest ever position, ninth, uh, last yeah. season. Do you think we can match that sheer piece? What do you think? Um, it'll be hard. Yeah. Um, but consistency. I mean, before we were playing well and getting beat. And uh, now we're playing well and we're getting lucky with some goals. And, you know, we're starting to win those games we used to lose. Hmm. I think... Um, I think middle of the table is is good still. Um, it had cost a fortune to get a, a real goal scorer. Um, although Welbeck and uh, um, yeah, mm. they're not they're not 
they're not regular goal scorers, are they? Not as much as we would like. I mean, they're they're mucking in. I think they I mean, are. Yeah, it's, it, they're, they're okay, but I think we do need a a pivotal. But if you had, you had, if you had, if you got, if we got someone who who um, was just more prolific, then you know. I think we'd be higher than nine. Wardy, get that other knee sorted because I think we might need. <laughs> yeah, I've got boots. Yeah, you'd do yeah. all right this team, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to ask how 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 you felt. You know, if you could roll back the years, how how you would fit into into modern day football. And I could, I could see you playing in a Potter team because you're you're incredibly mobile, um, fast. Um, so. Um, I don't know about the defending from the front. Would you? Did you ever used to defend from the front? I don't really remember that in the, in the Mullery era. But... Don't try and tackle somebody. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason you don't remember it, David. <laughs> we used to close them down. You know what I mean? But we 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 didn't run all over, run all over the place. In fact, when I went yeah. to Forest, I went running up to somebody once because you know you want to win. And Clubby said, uh, don't waste your time and energy going back. Use your time and energy going forward. So, yeah. hmm. Why not? Absolutely. And, and at the pick of the bunch at the moment, who, who stands out for you? Who do you like the most from this current team? Um, I like Cucurella. Uh, like hmm. so he's I. good. Going forward. I like... Uh, yeah, he's got good hair. <laughs> <laughs> the wife has long hair, does she? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like... Uh, oh, God. Can't think. My brain's gone. I like the Belgian. Oh, well, Trossard. 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 Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah. I like him. He's getting I think he's going to get a few more as well. Mm. He's going to get better. He, yeah, he stepped up last season, didn't he? He, um, yeah. he, he yeah. got a few more last season. So, yes, yeah. Yeah. I think he'll He's get more this year. I think he'll get more this year. Um, Basuma's gone. Um, I mean, I like Dunk. Yeah. Stalwarts of the club now. More than 10 years. I think he could get more caps, but, you know, yeah. I'm the England boss. Well, he's, he's in the same boat as you, isn't he, at the moment? With that? Yeah, yes. in fact, I was at that game. Hmm. Well, the USA. Wembley, the USA. That yeah. was there. Yeah. yeah. We'd actually yeah. brought a kid over uh, to try out at Glasgow Rangers and Charlton Athletic. And uh, so we were there uh, for that England game. So we went to Wembley and, and watched the match. Oh, brilliant. Superb. Well, hopefully you'll be back over again soon. Before we let you go, Peter, just I've got to ask these two here, Andy and David, of their enduring memories of you, uh, Wardy. Um, let's go with Andy first. Um, if you had to pick one moment, one memory from the bunch of Wardy, obviously we're talking the Albion era here. Um, well, I think we are anyway. I hope we are. Um, what would it be for you? What stands out for you? I don't. I don't know if it's really, um, a, you know, a specific memory of a of a specific game, but it's more about just generally. Peter Ward was the first player that I remember watching that did things with a football that I didn't know you could do. It just stood out in that way, and I think that's where the magic came from. Really, that even the you know the use of the word magic, magic and um, 
Yeah, th- so that's it for me, really. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, it's not because I still have a scarf that says Peter Ward is magic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was it. Well, that's what you want to do, don't you? As a fan, you want to go to watch people play football and do, and for yeah. them to do things that you can't do. That's why they're they're on the field and you're watching, you know. And um, yeah, it was just um, sometimes I, I, you know, I, I don't even know how you did it to be honest with you, Peter. But I was just so pleased that you did do it <laughs> on such a regular occasion. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the, the two songs you've got, uh, well, you've got Peter Ward's magic as the as the slogan, and then of course you've got he shot, he scored. It must be Peter Ward and the Wardy's Wonderland songs. So they, they'll, they'll endure forever. We we will continue to sing those forever. Good, good. Yeah, which is great. And and you, how you occupy twelve positions on the pitch, I don't know, but I'm, I'm very impressed you managed to do it according to the song. Yeah, goalkeeper too, and sub. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with the soft bench as well. There we go. Um, I mean, Andy says you could do things with the football that he's never seen. I, I can do things with the football you've never seen, but unfortunately, they're all horrendous miss hits and things like that. <laughs> things where I, it's not possible to miss it. I can manage it. Um, anyway, David, your your enduring memory, if there is one that stands yeah. out, what would it oh, be? Well, I think I, I think it's the same same as Andy really. And I remember when you first came into the side, Peter. You know, you were just it, you were just electric, and uh, it was, you know every time. You know, you were one of those players that every time you got on the ball, you know, as a fan, you expected something to happen. And, and with you, it generally did happen. And uh, so it was fantastic to watch. I suppose I've already mentioned that that Mansfield match where you, you, you got the hat trick. Um, I can just remember you scoring a goal at Aldershot as well, of all places. And uh, I remember the, the Aldershot ground, if you remember it, didn't have a terrace behind the goal. So all the Albion fans were... Uh, you know, standing standing behind the goal, um, no right. no steps or anything. Um, but you, I think you scored at that end, as I, as I remember. It's a strange memory to have because it's probably not one of the most memorable matches. But I just I just remember that. I think that might have been in your first first season or maybe second season. Yeah, as um, something I wanted to ask actually, do do, do you do you have a sort of um, encyclopedic memory for every goal that you scored, you know, in the... No, no. Now and again, I'll remember somebody will say something and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you do remember. But um, I think it's got to be while you're, you're, you're all having a drink and you're reminiscing and you remember stuff. Um, that's... Um, But it was really nice. Uh, the Brighton fans were tremendous, tremendous. Yeah, yeah. And they still are. Yes. Yeah. Well, well my, I, I, sorry, I, go on. So, sorry, I was just going to say. I mean, I'd seen, um, you know, because I've been supporting the club since, God, since 1969, and um, so I had seen one. I'd seen one promotion before you arrived, but that that was it, and that was in '72, and that was a good. That was a good side, but. There was nothing quite like, you know, the the team coming up through from from the third division up up, up to the old first division, and that mm. uh, that that excitement of that era. Um, and obviously now, you know, we, it's it's been matched in a way by getting to the Premier League. But um, yeah, and uh, staying in the I Premier think League. you know when 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 you're younger, it's kind of it, it means more to you as well. So never Definitely. forget those those days. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they they're built into you. That's them. Um, yeah. Ten years that uh, you were just in awe of, of what's going on, 
and you remember it. Yeah. I think yes. my my enduring memory of you, as, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just a little bit like younger, so I don't quite remember you clearly or vividly enough to remember any specific games from the playing days. Um, but mine is from a different scenario. <laughs> now, uh, the with Dean era, there was an end of season where you had been invited. It was a ticketed event at the Duke of Boots, Duke of Wellington. I don't know if you remember. I was in the pub that day. Um, was I on the bar? You were. You were standing on the bar singing anti-palace songs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's that one. Yeah. We were, we were, at the, we were in the pub. Um, it was the end of the season game. I think we'd already wrapped up whatever we'd done. I think it was a promotion year, but I can't remember what it was. Um, we were already in there, I think, and we knew you were coming. And I think we happened to be doing one of the Wardy songs when you walked in, which was quite convenient. And um, we, we were right by the door. So we chatted with you as soon as you came in, you and your wife. And fast forward, yeah, I don't know how much longer into the evening it was. But yes, you were standing on the bar singing anti-palace songs to, uh, to a rapturous reception. Fantastic. You can't beat that. You're one of the, one of the all-time Albion legends, probably the, the all-time Albion legend, singing anti-palace stuff on the bar in a local pub, end of a season when everyone's in a good mood. You can't beat that. <laughs> no, you can't. I had to go for a drink now and again with uh, Mark Lindsay, who played for Palace. Yeah. He lives here in And uh, we used to play together over 40s. And uh, um, Fish, Martin Inchelwood, uh came over, who played for Palace, who played with me in under-21s as well. He's passed away now. Yeah. But um, I went out with him and Mark, the two of them, and we had a picture like this. And I, I think I captioned it, uh, the only time these two Palace players ever got near me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. That's great. <laughs> oh, you... I made him on my 60th uh, birthday party a few years back. I made him wear a Brighton shirt. Well, he wore a Brighton shirt. Yeah, I'm impressed you managed it. I went on my friend's stag do, and he, he's a Brighton fan, and someone brought a Palace shirt and said, right, part of your stag thing, you've got to wear this. And he just stood there holding it like that, in disgust, and dropped it on the floor at Gatwick Airport. And no, not not doing that, not doing it. Uh, so I'm, I'm fair play if you've got an ex-Palace player to, to wear well, one. I did, yeah. He wore yeah. a Brighton shirt. Do you know what the, what the variation of your song was that they sung? Because I never heard it, but... Um, I think they did a version of it, didn't they? That he shot, he scored song. The shot he missed, he must be pissed. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, not really historically I accurate. Though, is remember, it? I remember uh, at Wolves when I got a hat trick at Wolves. Yeah, and it was the, the the pitch was hard. It was snowing. It was icy, and for some reason, Glenn Wilson had purchased all these turf boots you know with the little pimples on the bottom yeah. and we were we were fine but early in the game the ball came over and I'm on a six and it's it like a summer and it I've put it over the bar and they're all singing behind the goal he shot he missed he must be he, you know <laughs> the Wolves fans were so I had scored a little bit later on with a header believe it or not <laughs> And I went to the crowd, you know, get them going. Yeah, why not? Yeah. 
<laughs> well, on that note, it's a great way to end it, I think. And all I can say is, Peter, we've got to have you over at some point. Let's get you on another bar somewhere in Brighton singing those songs. <laughs> got yeah, to be I'll, have to, uh, I'll have to come to London to do one, you know, go to one of your uh, seawalls yeah. over London. Absolutely. You oh, we'd love that. Very we'd welcome. love that, yeah. Yeah, we'd love it. Let us it. know when you want to come. We'll, we'll organise it. We'll organise it. Absolutely. Love to have you there. And if you're, whenever you're in the UK, we'll love to get you a drink in as well and celebrate those good times you have with the Albion. Marvellous. Thank you, Peter. Peter, thank you very much thank for joining you. us. Nice we'll, to see you. Love to get you back on. But for now, thank you for joining us. Mr. Peter Ward. Wardy, we love you. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gordy. Thank you. Up the Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.